Today on the We Invested podcast, we have Joe DeSanto, and he is the owner of Play Louder. Joe, how are you doing today? Good, Wesley. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. And before we get started, would you mind letting the people know how they can find you on social media or, or find your, locate your business or how they can get in contact with you? Yeah, um, mainly uh, my, you could email me really, uh, my main place where you want to like check me out and see what I got to see what I'm doing. It's what I have to offer is my website, playlouder.com. Um, and most people, if you want to like hit me up, you can just email me and Joe at playlouder.com. But social media wise, honestly, I just don't have time for social media. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I am on LinkedIn probably the most, uh, if social media is your jam. Nice, nice. So, you know, let's just kind of start from the beginning, man, and talk a little bit about where you're from and where you grew up. Yeah, so uh, I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, originally. So I uh, grew up there, you know, a New Englander, and uh, went to college in New England, went to UMass Amherst. And then after that, uh, I headed down to New York, and kind of got my career started down there. So I lived in New York City for a couple of years and then uh, got a little tired in New York. And my my girlfriend and I at the time went on a, a road trip. We were like, you know what? We should just like throw caution in the wind and go on like a road trip or something. And we'll check out the country and and, uh, you know, we'll just come back and kind of resume our life. And we did that and went through Los Angeles. And, you know, I don't know if you know a little bit my bio but i worked in the entertainment and advertising industry and and owned a post-production company and so the two places to do that work are like new york and la for the most part you can also do it in chicago there's some smaller markets but it's like not as you know big as new york la so i went through la and kind of checked it out and i was like oh man i could maybe i could move here and do my thing here um so i kind of like lodged that in my head and then cut to a month later we were like up in seattle and we're about to like kind of turn back basically. And my, uh, I said to my girlfriend who honestly wasn't even that spontaneous of a person, <laughs> but she wasn't really liking New York either. I was like, Hey, what do you think about just moving to Los Angeles? What if we just drive back down there instead of driving to New York and see if we can figure it out. And she was up for it. Um, actually she had like a, a cousin that was there that we visited that she was close with. So she knew somebody and we said screw it that's what we did so basically i was there for 20 years so i was on a 20-year road trip basically uh and then we decided to shake it up again uh now with my wife and child and uh, moved to florida just to like we wanted to have more like family time free time work less be less stressed because the post-production biz is pretty stressful and long hours kind of deal and uh, we managed to move, and now we live in the Tampa area. Nice, man. So, <clears throat> you know, how would you say that growing up in Rhode Island impacted your outlook on life and success? Well, you know, Rhode Island's like a small place. Um, so, and like, I grew up in like, you know, like it was a good neighborhood, like lots of kids and stuff, but it was like a pretty, pretty, wasn't that inspiring of a neighborhood, I guess, you know, looking back. And uh, I guess in a way that did make me kind of want to go to different places. You know, I wanted to kind of get out of there and check things out. And, and at first, I, I guess I never really thought I'd go that far. You know, New York kind of was my destination. 
Um, so I think in a way it kind of being a little bit limited, maybe got me, you know, inspired to want to go check out some bigger places. Um, but so that's one thing, uh, though, another thing like just growing up, it's not particularly Rhode Island, like, but, you know, I kind of had like a little bit of ups and downs in my family life, but in my first 10 years, when my parents worked together, my dad owned a plumbing and heating business. So that I think like, you know, having a parent that owns a business is pretty important in that it just sort of plants in your mind that one, maybe owning a business is a good idea. Uh, and two, like it's doable, you know, it's like, it's, it's not a crazy idea. Um, you can do it like any, anyone can kind of do it essentially if they focus and try. Um, so that was kind of a good aspect of, uh, like my parent, my parents, I guess. And, um, I always had that idea in my head that I wanted to do a business. Now, like I, I did work for my dad's business for a little bit and kind of realized I didn't want to do plumbing and heating. So I was more into like art and kind of media technology and stuff like that. So I managed to find a business that, uh, or, or an industry where, you know, I could actually start a business. Like it was practical and, uh, I ended up doing that. So, <clears throat> so how was that transition for you, you know, from the East coast, you know, being in New York and Rhode Island and new England area, then to moving down to, uh, you know, LA where the weather is completely different. The culture is completely different. How was that transition for you? Oh man, it was, it was great. Like, you know, I, I'm, I love traveling, I guess, um, and changing things up. So like, it was no problem at all for me. Now it's funny, like when you're in New York, like New York and LA kind of feel like have a little bit of a rivalry. <laughs> like I would say, well, native New Yorkers, you know, they love New York, like native it's there, there isn't so, as much of a native Angelino because it's such a transient place, but uh, like in New York, you know, people are always like, oh, man, L.A., it's just so I could visit there, but I could never live there, man. It's just like weird, you know, and I'm or whatever. And, and I was always like, wow, this L.A. place must really suck, you know. And then I got there and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what these people are talking about. L.A. is awesome. I love it here. Uh, I got I got tired of like all the big buildings. It was kind of feeling like I was living in a filing cabinet. It's like super claustrophobic and you just get to LA and it's just like, you can see the sky, you can see tr palm trees and trees. You can go to the beach, you can go to the mountains. It's got a city, it's got everything. So it's, uh, I really liked it. And like, it was an even better place in my opinion for my career. So I was, I was a fan right away and just nah, kind of got into it. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome, man. And I think it's a really interesting way to Look at living in New York. I never heard it before, but it made sense. Like kind of like living in a Fowler cabin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're just stacked <laughs> up and it's, it's a yeah. fun, it was fun while it lasted. I mean, I just, I, for me personally, some people are just diehard New Yorkers and they love it for me. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm not, I need a little more space, you know, exactly. and a few less stories. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, um, just to kind of focus a little bit more about the company that you created um, and that you're the owner of today, uh, you know, what is Play Louder? Yeah, so Play Louder is, I guess, my kind of second business. I started a post-production company that I mentioned in L.A. That was like, I don't know, well, I was doing that for about 15 years. That was called Therapy Studios. It still exists. My partners, um, 
they cash me out, but we actually still own the real estate together. So we're still partners. And now I, I actually work for them. But when I left, um, actually, my partners kind of helped me like get my new thing going. I wanted to do a blog. I wanted to do like, you know, kind of a, an educational resource um, because I was always into personal finance and real estate and investing and just it just was in business. It was kind of a passion of mine. And, and a lot of times like throughout the years, I mentored a lot of like young people that were my assistants that we kind of like, you know, eventually they would be my assistant for like a year and a half and they move up to another position in the company. And they would always kind of be seeing me doing real estate and doing different things and obviously running the business. And they would jokingly say, you know, you should, you should go teach a class at the community college about like personal finance or something. This is back when you would maybe go to the community college to take a class. Uh, now you don't do that. But um, so I was like, yeah, maybe someday I'll do that. And then I kind of just, I don't know, I got figured out the blogging thing. I kind of came across that and people doing courses. And I was like, you know, if I ever do something different, maybe I'll do that. So when we left, I kind of set out to do the blogging thing, which I do. And that's that's Play Louder. That's my blog. And, and there, you know, I have courses, free courses, paid courses, tons of free resources, you know you can you can hire me for coaching and but also companies can hire me to be their cfo so when i left my my partners i always did the money side of the business they were like you know obviously you've been doing the money this whole time we don't do that do you what if we just pay you to like keep doing that you can do it from wherever and i was like okay that sounds good and that kind of kicked off my my uh, like fractional CFO consulting work that I do alongside the blog. And um, I just kept doing the finance stuff for them. And then other friends of mine who also happen to own companies in LA um, were like, oh man, you're doing that now? Will you do that for us? We totally need someone to help us manage the finances because we don't have someone, you know, that's a partner. And I kind of learned that for businesses, small businesses, if, if there isn't a partner that's like, about you know understands the money and like manages the money and like is the pri is the primary financial person usually the companies suffer in that department because it's kind of hard to fill that role with an effective person you can fill it with a you know you can have a bookkeeper um but bookkeepers don't have all the experience of owning a business running a business and all the things involved with that so i kind of realized there was this need for that and uh, it just kind of has grown. And now I do it for about six companies and, and uh, a few higher income individuals as well. So, and it kind of just went hand in hand with my blog. And a lot of times, like some of my recent clients, people that didn't actually know me as I kind of got word of mouth, they would read my blog and they'd be like, wow, I read all your stuff, man. You like, you know how to do so many things or you have you know, background information or knowledge in so many areas of money. I want to hire you or I want to like, actually, usually it starts out where they kind of like, we kind of do a, like a one-time engagement. I have this thing on my website called the business health check, where I'll just like dive into your books and basically tell you my opinion about how your business is going, like what's going good, what's not, how you could improve, blah, blah, blah. And I think my last, you know, three clients, I started with that and then they ended up hiring me after. And it's very interesting. And it's, um, I mean, it seems very like something very practical and reasonable, especially in today's time where uh, there's a lot of freelance things going on. Um, 
you know, people are working from home more and don't want to be kind of tied down to one place. So I think that's really a genius idea. But, you know, what I want to ask is what kind of gave you that spark to want to get started in finance and, and uh, you know, become a CFO? What what sparked you to, to get into step into that side of the business? Well, truth be told, it was really just like, you know, a talent, like an interest of mine, number one, and, and also a talent of mine, like meeting the market need. Like my previous company, I did far more than just manage the money. Like, you know, I did sales, I did marketing, I did branding for the company, I did project management, you know, I did tech, I did everything. And so actually, part of my service beyond just managing money is like, I just know a lot about a lot of things like, you know, whether it be computers, whether it be design for your branding, whatever. So I like offer all that, you know, to my clients. Um, but I just, you know, what ended up happening was we had a kid. I wanted to work less. I wanted like something that was flexible, something where I could travel more, you know, and it wasn't so demanding, like, like people weren't waiting around for me to like make decisions all the time. <laughs> um, and so I, when we set out and left LA, like this was just kind of a perfect fit for me. And I, so I was working at home even before COVID before, you know, it, it was cool basically. And it was great because I could just, you know, I could be with my kid more. I could take him to school. I could do all these things and we could travel and I can do the work from my car or from wherever. Um, so it was really a matter of like me wanting to make a change looking at what my skill set was and what could fit into this lifestyle I wanted to set up. And, um, you know, you, you work to your strengths, obviously, and it's one of my strengths. So I found a niche and like, it turned out it was a pretty good niche. Like it's, it's a need, but the funny thing is, is I went to school for photography. Like my general interest was visual art design, even more so than business. Like I wanted to do a business that involved creative work. And that's what I originally set out to do. But the reason that I'm good at the finance part is because one, I, I always had an interest in personal finance. And it was mainly because I wanted to make sure I saved enough money. I wanted to buy a house. I wanted you know, to basically be prudent. So at towards the end of college, when I kind of could see that my debt was piling up and like, you know, situation wasn't looking very good. I was like, I got to kind of get on this and just make sure that I am like aware of my money. I have a plan of how I'm going to get out of this problem eventually and just be prepared. So I started like originally just writing down my spending in like a notebook, you know, to see like, am I actually spent how much more am I spending than I'm making? I knew I, I was spending more than I was making because my debt was going up. But then I was like, wow, this is a really tedious process to write this down and then like add it up with a calculator <laughs> you know, at the end of every day. I'm like, there's got to be a computer, you know, some kind of computer software where you can manage your personal finances. And there was, it was called Quicken, uh, which I still use today. Now, this is back in the 90s where like you had to go to Staples and buy your computer software like off a shelf. Uh, and like there was no real alternative to Quicken. It was like the only thing really. Actually, I think there was like Microsoft and money was like the only other one. But anyway, I started using Quicken and like it helped me to understand money, but it actually taught me like a whole bunch more on un in an uh, unexpectedly like 
when you start to use software to manage your money, you really start to understand like how money works better. And you use, and you actually start what I call managing your personal finances, like a business, like you're doing bookkeeping for your personal finances. If you think of your, your life as the business of you, it's money in money out. Like your, your job is your client. It's your income and your life expenditure are your expenses. And you need to be making a net profit every year. And that's how you save money. And it starts small. And then you start adding in more stuff and investing in real estate and all this. And before you know it, you're actually managing, you know, like a like like a, a little system, you know, almost more complicated than your just average small business, to be honest, because you're you're in your like I said, factoring in a lot of investing and real estate and different things. And you know, before I knew it, I kind of like taught myself how to be a pretty good, you know, money manager uh, just by doing it. And so then, when it came time, actually, it was before we started the business. I was moving up in the job, uh, the job I had prior to owning my business. Uh, I was kind of moving up the ranks in there and I became the, the studio manager and I needed to start to mind the money and like mind how much money the company was making, how much it was spending. And lo and behold, all of just using Quicken prepared me to really commandeer the financial aspects of this company. And at that time, they weren't even like using a computer because like the the guy who was doing the bookkeeping was older and he had always he was one of the previous owners. He had always done it on paper. And I go down to him. His name is Roger. I'm like, Roger, like I need to like know like the, the, the finances, like income expense. How do we do last month? He's like, OK, yeah, no problem. Come back in a couple of days and, you know, I'll, maybe I'll have something for you. And I'm like a couple of days. Like I need to know today. This is when I have time to do it. And he's like, well, you know, so I'm like, OK, we got to computerize <laughs> your book. So I taught myself QuickBooks. We got the whole company computerized and I realized that, again, Quicken kind of prepared me to do all that. Um, and because I was interested in money and interested in finance and sort of just been honing this skill of like understanding how it all worked for a number of years at that point, um, I realized I could manage the finances and be the CFO of my business. And then so when we started it, that's what I did. I did all the books. I, you know, I even paid all the bills. I cut all the checks like it was just the four of us. So I did my regular job, you know, all day. In the evening, I would do pay some bills, and on the weekends, I would really like actually do the books. But it's more about more than just bookkeeping. It's having the data to look at how your business is doing, you know, and that's the real critical thing that's happening there. Is you have good data to say, okay, I see that we're doing well, but I see that this component or area of the business is doing better than this area of the business. Or I see that we spend a lot of money on freelancers doing this particular thing. It might be time to hire a full-time person and, you know, and so on. Or I see like, you know, we have some unused capacity for this and this and this person. What else can we do to like, you know, make more money like per head essentially on our employees? Uh, then I just, you know, I used to do budgeting for my personal life to, you know, make sure that I was going to have, you know, make enough money and, you know, have a net profit, AKA savings. I did an operating budget for my own business. You know, it's all kind of the same. And then as your business grows and more and more is going on, you just keep adapting and getting better at it. And now it's like, okay, we're going to buy a building. Okay. We got to like borrow $300,000 to build a new, you know, music studio out. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. And 
But I always say to like a lot of times when I talk to young people and I say, you got to start managing your money because it's like, it's going to do more for you than, than just the money management. They're like, well, but I don't have much going on. You know, it's like, I got a checking account. I got a car payment. I got a student loan. Like, why do I need a computer to do that? And I'm like, you don't actually, but this is the time to start and get in the habit when it's super easy. Like exactly. it will take you next to no time and you will be surprised how much it educates you in the ways of money and business and entrepreneurism. Like it's just a great thing to do, you know, like minding your money and also exercising are probably the two best things you can do for yourself in life. I'm terrible on the exercise front, actually, ironically, but uh, I was always good on the money front. So I ended up doing it very successfully for my own business. We grew the business to like, you know, over 5 million in revenue and 30 employees. And, um, you know, that's a pretty, that's a lot bigger than most small businesses. So for, for, you know, someone whose business is doing 2 million, you know, I've done a lot more than them. So I'm well qualified to guide them uh, for how their business is doing. Now, do I do, do I do CFO work for multinational conglomerates? No, I don't. I'm not a CPA or whatever, but for, for, uh, small businesses for sure. I'm pretty darn good at it. So, you know, for people who hate the idea of tracking their finances, you know, what do you recommend for them? Um, stop being a wussy. <laughs> <laughs> Just like be like, uh, it's my whole future at stake here. So like, I don't need this to be spoon fed to me. Like I'm a child, like man up and just do the work that is going to make you successful. There is no substitute for doing the work. Start when it's easy, so it's not a huge commitment and it's simple to learn and it's not overwhelming and just make it part of your life. I mean, literally it is like exercise, it is like health. It's one of those things. It's so important that just don't be a whiner about it and do it. No, I mean, I think now, most people are not gonna do it. I know that, but, right. um, that's the answer. You know, I could like, you know, there's lots of baloney. There's like people, I don't know. There's this whole thing. I feel like where it's like, Oh, you got to make it accessible. Like if you make it easy, more people will do it. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I'm like the hard ass coach. Like I don't care about any of that. You know, I'm like, if you don't want to do it and you want to fall behind and like never get anywhere, that's your choice. You're an adult, but I'm not going to do that. And I don't recommend it. Like, I think you should fucking take it seriously and get your act together and don't be a whiner and be successful. Being successful is not easy. I don't care what people tell you. It is hard. It's hard to get successful. It's hard to stay successful. It never gets easier. Like just get ready to do some work. It's my, my thing. You know, you can't be like a pro football player be like, oh man, I just wish practice was so much easier. You know, it's like so hard. It's so hot out here. You know, it's just, you know. So I look at, you know, owning a business like being a pro, you know, you're like professional. You know, it's like you gotta like yeah. take it seriously. Okay. So I know I get on my soapbox there, but <laughs> no, nah, it's all good. It's all good. So, you know, just speaking of, you know, starting a business, um how was that transition for you from you know, working in studios or working in New York and, and then just um, finally move it down to L.A. And, and making that transition into becoming a business owner. 
Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was fun, but it was tough. You know, um, it's a leap of faith, right? So like what mm -hmm. I, but as I mentioned, like I, I really, for whatever reason, wanted to always own a business. I guess I do attribute it a little bit to, to my family owning the business and kind of seeing that as like a way you get ahead. Um, so I always had it in my mind. The question is, is like, you know, when, if, you know, when, and like, am I going to be prepared? Am I going to be able to pull it off? You know, so the fact that I was thinking about that in all of my 20s was really important. Like I was thinking ahead. I was trying to prepare. I was trying to save money. I was trying to think about how am I going to borrow this money if, if the opportunity presents itself? You know, uh, maybe will it be me just going off and doing it on my own? Will I have partners? Maybe I could like, you know, partner into an existing company. I was like, just keep an eye out for whatever options. But in the meantime, I was just like also working hard, trying to prove myself in any given job that I had. And I always thought to myself, like when I'm wherever I'm working, like these people I'm working for, they could be clients of mine one day. So I have I want and these are the people I might call on if I go start a company to like bring me work at my company. So they even though I'm the only employer right now, I have to impress these people like, you know, to no end. So, so if the day comes and I'm like, I started my own company, I'd like you to bring your business to me. They're going to be like, Oh, absolutely. You were like the linchpin at the previous place. And so we want to keep working with you. So I, I just had that mentality at all times. And then I realized, you know, for post-production, like it would be, I, I wouldn't want to do it alone. It's a team sport and it would be like next to impossible almost to be the sole owner, I thought. So uh, I just, you know, was looking for potential partners and just throughout the years who I met, who I was working with. And luckily my three partners and I, well, one I actually met in college and then he ended up getting a job at the place I was working. Uh, I had recommended him for a position. So I was good. And then there was two other guys there uh, that I became, we all became good friends and they were very talented guys. And like, I could see with the four of us, you know, it could work, you know, but it was like my job to basically figure out how to get it to happen, you know, but get the money borrowed get a place, get all that. So I kind of like was the person, if I can, if I can get all this put together, do you guys want to do it? You know? Um, and so what we ended up having to do was leave, eventually leave the place where we had our full-time jobs, enter into a period of no income <laughs> while we built this place up and, you know, just go for broke essentially. Uh, so it, it was a leap of faith in that sense. And, you know, in post-production, people start companies two different times. It's either like when you're really young, when you have kind of nothing to lose, or when you're older and you have a lot of clients and you're more, you know, established. And there's a greater chance that you're going to be able to get clients and stuff. We went the young route because we were like excited to do it. We didn't have any kids. You know, we figured what's the worst that could happen? We'll file bankruptcy if it all goes to hell. And, you know, it, we're no one's relying on us right now in our lives. Um and they don't have debtors prison anymore. So that is really comforting to know. <laughs> um, so we started young, but when you do it young, you don't have a ton of clients, potential clients to call on. So, you know, we knew it was going to be lean for the first couple of years. And, um, you know, we all, well, luckily we all made some personal money, like in the first year, like the company made money. But the question is, 
do you as the owner make any money? You know, uh, luckily we all made some money enough to kind of get by. Um, and then, but we just worked a ton of hours. We kind of, what I call built it brick by brick, like every single client we got, we just tried to do the best possible job we could went above and beyond all that sort of stuff and hope they, you know, recommended us or whatever and word, you know, word them out that worked in our favor. And luckily it did, it's still going today and it's stronger than ever. So, so what does it mean to incorporate a business? And what are some of the benefits of incorporating a company or incorporating a business? Well, uh, there's lots of benefits. Um, and it, I guess it depends what kind of business you do. Like I do now I do what I, what I call a consulting business. So it's basically just me, I, but I have an employee, but it's like, it's meant to be small. And I say to a lot of people, if they have jobs and they want to get more freedom or make more money and be more entrepreneurial, if you can turn what your job is into a consulting um, thing uh, and do it for more clients at a higher rate of pay, you know, it's a way to possibly advance your career, or make more money. So there's that kind of business. And then there's like, you know, a more full-fledged business, which is what I had before, which like I said, I had about 30, 35 employees. Um and a location and, you know, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, now, like for the bigger business, obviously incorporating is kind of a must because you have partners, you have employees, you just need like the business to be its own entity. You eventually want to have the business be able to apply for and get credit just on the business's name alone, where you're not personally guaranteeing all the loans and all that. That takes a while, but eventually we got there. Um but, you know, the two, the two main, or I should say three main things um, are, well, two main things. Um, you get liability protection with an entity, you know, so like the idea is if you get sued for whatever reason, there's a little line of defense between your personal assets and the business. And then also you, when you have a business, you're getting uh, financial benefits, you know, largely in the form of tax benefits because you're being able to deduct so much um, of your expenses off the income of the business. So, but when you're a consultant, you're kind of like really just doing your job, but, but you're treated like a business. Uh, so you get a lot of those tax benefits, you know, you get to deduct your, you know, whatever it is you're using for the benefit of your business. If you're using your car, you can deduct part of your car. If you've got a home office, you can deduct some of your home office. If you know, you use your computers for your business, you get to deduct those. So you get ended up with a lot of tax savings. Um, and if you incorporate, uh, like if you're, if you're, um, just a consultant or an independent contractor, you know, you can do it, you can get those benefits without incorporating, but I think, you know, for the extra expense, um, you legitimize the business, you give yourself the ability for the business to get credit on its own. Eventually you do get that liability protection and, um, you can get even a few more potential tax benefits when it comes down to eventually doing your tax return at the end of the year, uh, depending on what kind of entity you are. So I do like, as part of what I do for clients and whatever is like, you know, I share whatever information I have in that department uh, for people and usually give them ideas that they can then take their CPA and be like, Hey, what do you think about this or that? You know, but I've, I've spent a lot of time over the years investigating all those things for my own personal benefit as a business owner and entrepreneur um, and real estate investor. And 
you know, I save people a lot of time where I'm like, well, you know, if you want more detail, go read this book and this book and this book, but here's the basic gist. And this is what you ask, should ask your CPA about and, um, and so on. So what would you say are some of the most valuable lessons that you've learned while building and creating these different companies? Well, on my website, like I talk about the secret, my secret to success. Uh, and I describe that like in three pillars. Um, and the pillars for personal success and like business is one component of total personal success. Like it's like you start a business. Yeah, because you're interested in that, whatever. But like you want to make money with it and it's hopefully going to improve your life. You know, if it doesn't make money, then it's really more of like a hobby. Um, but these three pillars to personal success are entrepreneurism, entrepreneurialism, or, you know, that might be business ownership. That might be you just being entrepreneurial in your job because not every career suits itself to starting a business. That might be doing a side hustle. It might be turning your job into consulting, whatever. But the more entrepreneurial you are, the better chance you're going to be able to increase your income and also increase the control you have over your own time, which helps you to do other things. Uh, financial prudency or the personal finance pillar is like, okay, you're making money. You have to make sure you're making the most out of that money. You have to make sure you like, you're not wasting it. You're making more than you're spending and that you have like a personal net profit at the end of the year, like your business, you know, it might have a net profit, but if the net profit's really small and then you go spend all that money and your personal net profit is, a, is, is a loss. Well, that system isn't working very well, right? You need your personal net profit to be in the positive. That's your savings. And then the third pillar is investing. Like very rarely are you going to make it to retirement or the promised land or financial independence um, by just saving alone. Like you need to compound your savings through investing vehicles. For most people, that's going to be the public stock markets or real estate of some kind. Um, there's other things too, but those are the two most accessible. And you kind of got to learn about that pillar as well and make sure that whole pillar is working for you and like, you know, compounding your savings. So I've, I've learned how entrepreneurialism really is just like one piece of the puzzle uh, to like total personal success. And at the end of the day, like, I guess it all does, uh, like from a financial point of view, boil down to preparing for retirement. Like, and a lot of, a lot of times when you're young, like, you know, that's kind of a sleepy topic. You're not thinking about that, but whether you're thinking about it or not, like you're always moving towards that, uh, in your life. Um, and, Retirement will, you know, be something that you control and enjoy, and it's the life that you have in your mind. Or if you don't prepare well enough, it will be handed to you, <laughs> whatever your budget can afford, and that might not be that great, and you might just be stuck with that. And a lot of times, what happens is, is you get aged out of your job or your business or your physic, you know, eventually physically, maybe you can't do it or whatever. And before you know it, you think you're going to be working forever, and then like it gets cut short, you know. So I always say, you know, and I have a course on this called the Financial Independence Roadmap on my website, and it talks about, you know, bringing these, th these three things together, but it also walks you through like creating a plan 
for your life, you know? So back to talking about your personal finances, like a business, it's like, when you have a business, you actually make an operating budget for the year. You actually have projections of what, how this business will perform, you know, many years out. If things happen the way you hope they're going to happen, you also might have a backup plan. Well, what happens if they don't happen as well? You know, where will I be? You actually do that for yourself. It's called like your retirement plan though. Um, I, I, I like to call it financial independence though, because kids like that. Um, and it's a little bit more exciting, but uh, it's all the same thing. So the the business part feeds into that, of course. But if you don't have the personal finance part and the investing part, like the the whole plan, you know, might not come to fruition. Uh, but in my course, like I, I I basically have I explain how I did it for myself, how I plan for myself. I give my like, spreadsheets. I walk you through how to do it, and it's nothing crazy, really. I mean, it's all like kind of simple math, but it's just good to like know okay, how much money do I really need to make? How much money do I really need to save? How much like return does that savings need to make in order for me to get to a goal that I set for myself? And you can do the math on that. You should, everybody should be prepared. I think a lot of people don't do it because they're scared, you know, that it's going to be a little frightening <laughs> when and it can be, you know I mean? That's the thing. Like if you put your head in the sand, fucking Money in life will kick your butt. You know, I always, I always say, like, if you don't deal with your money, your money will definitely deal with you. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a, like, you know, be prepared kind of a person and it's paid off. Uh, but but it can be can be scary. I admit that, you know, or well, overwhelming, a, I should say. It can be a little overwhelming. That's a great way to look at it. You know, if you don't deal with your money, your money will definitely deal with you. Um, but, you know, something interesting that I learned when I was doing my research, is that you know you've invested over ten million dollars in commercial real estate? Um, so you know how is that? How has investing over ten million dollars in commercial real estate personally benefited you or or helped uh, enhance a business or enhance your personal life? How has that helped you? Yeah, well, it's enhanced enhance all those things and. Um... And I'll tell you why I even got to that. Like, so the, the commercial real estate we did, it was two buildings, but we bought them for our business. Um, so I've invested in a lot of other residential real estate that was just, you know, straight buy it, rent it out to someone and, you know, made, made money or whatever. Um, the commercial real estate I did was specifically for buildings for our business. But I was like, well, we're renting spaces for our business. We're spending a lot of money. Like we need to put, if we can put that money to better work, meaning turn it also into an investment, um, we should. And it's like, when you start building a bigger business and you got to get a bigger space, you, you often have to spend your own money to build it out, to suit what you want, you know? And I was like, post-production companies in particular are really nice places. Um, so I'm like, I don't think it's smart for me to go spend like, you know, a million dollars building out someone else's building, you know, make it all super nice. Like I want to own the building. Um, so that's what we did. But we also were like, we want to make money with this too, like on the real estate in itself. So we found buildings that we could like really kind of develop, like took them from warehouse space, got them rezoned and turned them into creative office. It's like a whole change of use. It's a big kind of development process with the city, especially in LA. 
And we saw them as not only they were going to be the homes for our business, but we're, but we, they really were real estate development projects. Um, but in, to answer your question directly, it essentially benefited our business because, well, one, we got a customized facility that was exactly what we needed for our business, but it also just benefited us because those buildings made money. Like, they actually made money every month through the rent our business was paying, you know, that otherwise that, that, you know, premium or cash flow would have gone to some other business or building owner. Uh, all the renovations we did, we retained the value of them. And when I, we sold the first building, we we're able to, you know, capitalize and make that money. And uh, we, we earned all the appreciation at the real estate. So basically it made money and real estate for me, you know, it's an investment like any other, like, and the question about real estate is, is like, it takes you more time. So you're, you have to ask yourself when I factor in my time, is the return on the real estate more than I would make like with, I don't know, a stock investment say where I really don't put any time in. Uh, so you have to ask yourself that question. I mean, a lot of people think real estate's kind of sexy, I guess, or, you know, you always hear like real estate's made the most billionaires in the world, blah, blah, blah. That's probably all true, but um, it ultimately is a way to grow your money just like any other investment. So, and I was joking to say, unless you're going to go sit in front of your like rental property all day and just like look at it, uh, then it doesn't really matter, you know, like if you're making your money with real estate or something else. But the one thing about real estate that I really like, and I translated it to the business and buying the buildings for the business, but it really started with my house. Like I, I really always wanted to own a house because one, it just seemed like a good idea uh, in general, kind of like owning a business. And two, I like to like fix up my house and I kind of didn't want to fix up. I couldn't really fix up a rental. And, and so I was like, always wanted to get into a house right away. And as soon as I could, I bought a house in LA, which took me a while. Um, and then I kind of really saw the value of real estate. I was like, wow, I ended up borrowing out of the house in order to help start the business. You know, like I was really seeing the value of equity and like, you know, how you can use real estate for a variety of benefits. But also I was like, you know, I look at my house as an investment. I'm like, I am a renter really. Like, you know, some people famously Robert Kiyosaki in his book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad made this comment about how your house isn't your biggest investment. It's your biggest expense. I don't really get that. Like, I think that was phrased wrong. I think housing is one of your biggest expenses for sure. So unless you're going to live with your parents forever, or you're going to manage to get into some insanely great rent controlled housing that you never leave and never goes up in value, you're always going to be a market renter, essentially. The only question is, is do you want to be the real estate owner that owns the property that you happen to be the resident of, you know? And my thinking was, yes, uh, I do. Like, why not? Why should I let some other real estate owner be the beneficiary of my rent payment? I might as well be my the beneficiary. Now, that means that you do have to like be strategic when you buy your residence and not overbuy and not do a whole bunch of silly things. But um, to me, the math works on that. And I've done the math on renting versus owning. And it, by and large, is favors owning no question about it but so when it came to our business i was like wow i mean i saw how well the real estate owning my house worked out i'm like 
why wouldn't we own the real estate our business is in? I mean, we're paying rent just like, you know, I, you know, makes sense. You know, I saw the model work. So I pursued that. And yet again, it paid off. And owning your house actually, I think, is one of the best real estate investments you can make. One, because it's easy to get into as a as a as the owner occupant you get favorable lending terms you get favorable down payment it's like one of the easiest real estate investments to get into the federal government it incentivizes us all to own our house because it gives us great tax breaks on it some of the tax breaks have been rolled back a little bit in the last like three four years but still you get as a single person, $250,000 of free capital gains on the sale of your primary residence, $500,000 for a married couple. Like you don't get that with any residential rental real estate. Um, so it's just like a good thing to do. Uh, and it, it opens you up to uh, lots of usages of the real estate. So I always say to people, before you go invest in the stock market, whatever, invest in real estate, the house you live in, if you eventually want to move, great, go rent it out. Now you now you got your first rental property. Um, and then I just kind of like really liked real estate. So I focused most of our investing in real estate. I ended up buying, you know, over a dozen single family rentals. We did the two buildings. Um, I think all in all, including my residences, again, like I consider investments, we transacted about 16 properties over the last like 15 years. And it paid off, you know, it, it, I think real estate, produces a superior return for less risk than the stock market. And for your primary residence, it's even better because of the tax breaks that are built into it. Financially, it actually works out even more favorably. So there you go. How did did you I answer your question? I think you asked a question like an hour ago and I'm not sure. No, man, it's all good. Given a lot of context, so, you know, I appreciate that. But, you know, one, one question I want to ask is, how did you secure financing for your commercial real estate? You know, L.A., um, buying anything in L.A. is extremely expensive. So how did how did you and your company kind of go about just getting that financing for that building, for that yeah. real estate? Well, we did uh, for the first building, we did a SBA loan, Small Business Administration 503B loan, I think it was at the time. Now it's like called a 504. And basically what that does is allows you to get into commercial real estate if you're going to be an occupant of the space for 10% down. So that made it a lot more possible for us. Um, but still, it was a pretty big down payment, you know, but but an owner-occupant as business is much like owner-occupant as, as uh, in your house. Like you can get into a house for three and a half percent down, whereas a rental property, you got to have like usually 20 to 25%, right? So the SBA makes it easy to buy real estate or easier. And luckily, you know, by that time in our business, it was year three, we were making more money. We actually had a pretty sizable credit line. Now you're not supposed to particularly use your credit line for the down payment, but we ended up using some of our credit line for the down payment. Uh, the guys and I basically, you know, we were, we had done better in the second year. So whatever we had saved, we now took that out of our bank account and threw it into the building. And, and then uh, I managed to like finance some of the renovations um, through unique approaches. Like I got a loan. Well, what ended up happening with that building is it was 2007 
and the financial crisis kind of hit and we lost our construction financing literally right two weeks before we closed in the building. So I kind of had to scramble because I if we had if we didn't go through with the sale, we would have lost our deposit, which was like a couple hundred grand. And I didn't want to do that. And we had already given up our current space. So if we didn't move forward, but we had to get the renovation done. So I went to the seller and I said, listen, I'm sure you don't want to put your building on the market now that the financial crisis has started, because I don't think anyone's going to buy it. Uh, and I know you're making a huge profit on this building. So I need you to give me a loan to do construction financing. So they gave me a $125,000 loan. Then I managed to like finance some of like the mechanical equipment for the building using equipment leases, which are like easier to get done, uh, which is a very unique way to finance construction. Um, so I got creative actually, once we got into the construction and luckily we made it work. I don't know. It was a kind of a harrowing time actually, but um, but getting into the building was a mix of whatever we had saved between the four of us using some of our credit line. I tapped a little bit more in my home equity and just got it done. But, you know, it was, it was 10% down using the SBA, which otherwise with commercially you usually got to put like 30, 35% down. So, you know, it wouldn't have been possible without the SBA loan. That's incredible, man. And so, you know, a little bit earlier, you mentioned that on your website, you have three pillars of of uh, success. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what I want to ask you is, how do you define success as an entrepreneur? Uh, I would say it's, it's a good question. Um, I would say I define success as <clears throat> making uh, the amount of making the money you want to make. And I don't think it has to be a crazy amount, like, you know, making enough money to live the lifestyle you want to live while also enjoying your work and your life. You know, like I don't, I don't have a problem working a ton of hours as long as like I'm enjoying it. You know what I mean? And like, it's fun. And to me, when you're doing it for yourself with your own business, like, and you work 80 hours a week, well, you know, you're excited about it, especially when you're younger, you know, and you got a little more energy because you're like, if it works, if this all pays off, I'm going to be the beneficiary of all my hard work, you know? Um, and so one, you know, being able to do something that you enjoy and then two, making enough money at it where you can just, you know, live a comfortable lifestyle where you basically don't have to you know worry about shit want for much you know um and you can save enough where you can eventually hit financial independence early like i call it like a four-act life where it's like first 20 years you go to school the next 20 years you work like a dog next 20 years you actually slow it down you don't stop working but you find something like i'm doing now like where it's less pressure i got more free time I work part-time and I make my nut. And then like the fourth act is like, you know, your slow ascent to death in the rocking chair or whatever, you know? Um, so, you know, that, that <laughs> that's what I call success. If that makes sense. I don't know if any of that made sense, but you know, it's not a one word answer. That's for sure. <clears throat> for sure. So, you know, how would you like for people to remember you and the companies that you've created? Wow. That's a, that's a crazy question. Um, well, I guess, you know, what I, 
what I, what I liked about what I was doing before that I, that I don't have now my current thing, like my current, this act three of the four act life is totally about my family. Like I'm there for them a hundred percent. Like I don't, you know, I don't prioritize other things, but what I don't have now is like what I had in, in with my other company was like the camaraderie, you know, of like a team, like, like I was the coach. Um, and you know, it's pretty awesome to like mobilize a team and get people working in sync and like, you know, make sure that they're happy with their job and they're liking to be at the company. And like, <clears throat> we had people stay at our company for a long time. And like, I'm still friends with all my employees. Like there's a lot of new employees now that I don't know. Um, but we're going back to LA in like a few weeks and like, we're going to have a big beach party and, you know, people will actually come because they liked, liked me, you know, and they liked working for me. So like finding a balance of like being, you know, uh, a good boss, building a company, kind of being, being tough where you need to be, but being like still being fun and being likable and like, giving people mentorship and helping them in their careers. And hopefully people, you know, after you do the best you can, people look back on you and we're like, you know, just Joe is a solid dude. Like he helped me out. Like he got me, got me going in my career. And, and whether I stayed at therapy or not, like I could count on him to, you know, be there for me, you know? So I feel like I achieved that for the most part. So I'm, I'm proud of that. <clears throat> what is the future of play louder? look like to you well you know <laughs> truth be told like i like it small like i did you know not that our company was huge like it wasn't you know but managing like 35 people and at our biggest year when we produced our this show for hbo we had about 60 people like it's a lot of work um now it's like me and one employee and like i like it that way like i probably could grow it into a business management firm you know um, but when I think about that, I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to do that, man. I, I might just want to like stick with the size and, and have it be nimble and be able to travel and like, not, you know, not get overwhelmed with people like trying to like hunt me down throughout the day. Um, but I guess though, on my website and stuff, like I, I really do want it to, to be like a valuable resource for people. Like I, I hope that I guess, you know, what people say about it you know, kind of like my old business when I was just saying about them thinking of me, like, I hope they look at Play Liar and look at it as like a genuine, legitimate source of quality information that had like a positive impact on their life and their career and their decisions, you know. Um, so I hope that, you know, I hope that that, you know, maybe if someone ever were to review the site and my contribution there, that they would say something like that. Man, Joe, that's incredible. I mean, I really enjoy, you know, talking with you and speaking with you and getting a chance to learn more from you. And Thanks, I really, uh, you know, appreciate you spending that time with us today. Absolutely, but, man. I hope your audience is still awake right now because <laughs> I know I just talk and talk and talk. But uh, but it was fun, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to all my jibber jabber. No, nah, I mean, it was incredible. It was, a, it was full of like valuable and very useful, useful information. But, um, you know, before we get out of here, man, at the end of every podcast, we'd like to play a rapid fire question game. All right. Where I ask you three questions. So, you know, if you're willing to play, I'll go ahead and ask. Lay them on me, man. Question number one. Where's your favorite place to travel? Ooh, that's a tough one. Favorite place. Well, 
I love the Caribbean. One of my favorite Caribbean destinations is the Cayman Islands. And I also love going to Italy. I, I did a semester abroad in Italy, so I'm not going to pick one. That's two. Cayman Islands, Italy. Nice. Question number two. What song represents your life the most? <laughs> wow. This is pretty funny that you asked this because I have a weird habit of listening to the same song over and over and over and over and over again. And I, I have these elaborate daydream fantasies, much of which included... <laughs> starting a business and stuff like that. Um, so there was one artist that when I was riding along on railroad and thinking about when I would start a business someday, and I would even imagine like what, uh, the party would be like and stuff. Um, and this music isn't even party music would was Dave Matthews. I don't know why. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But I would just listen to these certain songs and it would just sound it would take me to the place of daydreaming. And uh, and a lot of those dreams came true. That's incredible, man. And I see you got the acoustic guitar behind you. It looks like so. You That's know my wife, man. I wish okay, I, okay. I, I, I love music and I, I can dance. I, lo- I got a lot of good, I got a lot of rhythm, but I cannot play an instrument. I don't know what the deal is with that. <laughs> All right, man. A little final question. What's an amazing thing that you did that no one was around to see? wow that's a funny question amazing thing that i did that no one was around to see um all right well this is kind of weird uh but you know how earlier i was saying that like i'm really bad at the exercise piece of the puzzle Mm-hmm. All right. So one thing I kind of say, actually, on my website is, you know, if money isn't your thing and you're just like, you know what, I'm never going to do it. I'm like, you should consider hiring someone to do it for you and then just look at the results, you know, like because it's that important, you know. So exercise isn't my thing. And like I was trying to lose weight for a really long time because I just got super fat, basically, in my in my 20s and 30s because I just ate and drank like it was going on a style. And uh, I finally was like, you know what? I'm going to follow my own advice. I'm going to pay someone to lose weight for me. And I ended up getting one of those stomach reduction surgeries (laughs) (laughs) called a gastric sleeve. And I lost 70 pounds. And while everyone knows I did it, nobody was actually there with me that I know in the operating room. So there you go. Nice, man. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Pretty weird. Pretty weird. (laughs) Well, hey, Joe, man, thank you so much for your time, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy speaking Absolutely, with you. Absolutely, Wesley. You too, man. Thanks for having me.